God bless you. Good morning. Just want to remind everyone to pray for a whole bunch of our married couples at a marriage conference. It actually started Friday. It goes through today. I, I say married couples. I should say married, engaged, and some checked, I think, none of the above. And uh, they're, at, they're at this conference. And uh, so please pray for them. The family is the building block of the body of Christ. You know, just think of the first three chapters of, of Genesis and how the family unit was created. It was God's plan. Uh, that was God's plan of, of the, the building block for the family of God, the body of Christ. And so important that we commit ourselves to uh, our families and our married couples. Okay, this morning we're going through 2 Corinthians chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Please rise for the reading of God's Word. Actually, this morning we are going to be in just one verse. Just one verse. It's going to take us a little while to get through this letter at that pace, but... Usually we go a little faster, but um, actually we finished up in this verse last week, but I'd like to continue in it. Chapter 4, verse 16, Paul by the Holy Spirit, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for that promise. We thank you, Lord, that a life with you, uh, even as you promised, Lord Jesus, is the abundant life. And not only is it the abundant life, it is renewed day by day, and it only uh, gets better over time. Father, we pray in, your, uh, in the name of your Son that, uh, you'd, uh, Father, that by your grace we'd be able to shed just all the distractions of life Lord, that uh, every one of us have come in here this morning, Lord, and that we would just, uh, by your grace, our, our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears, they all would be opened up to every, everything that you want us to hear this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you can be seated. So very rarely do I have a title to a sermon. My title to sermons are usually just... Uh, uh, whatever the passage is for that day. But this morning, uh, I'd like to talk about, if there's a title, it is, What is Christian Burnout? What is it? Why does it happen? Does it have to? Christian Burnout. You know, I gave my life to, to Jesus about 24 when I was 24, about 24 years old, about 20 years ago, and I was reading through the book of John. A friend had given me a little commentary in the book of John. And so I was reading John and then referring to this commentary, and I, I began to realize that if the Bible, if what it said was true, was something 
completely different than I thought it was. I needed to have a completely, radically different relationship with Jesus. I read things like, and John, as I sometimes I go back through John and I and I read through it, and I'm thinking to myself, what was it that I read that slapped me in the face the way uh, I I had been slapped really uh, 20 years ago, and and I think of John chapter six verse 54 where Jesus says this. Whoever eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. But if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you are not worthy to be my disciple. He said that, and about 5,000 people took off. John 12, 24, Jesus says, Unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. John 12, 25, he who loves his life will lose it. But he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You know, I'm not sure I understood what those verses meant. But I did know as I read them, They sure didn't describe my relationship with Jesus. I began to realize that I was going to have to have the relationship with Jesus that that he was saying I should have. If I was going to do that, I had to enter into a relationship and I had to, all of me, had to fully embrace everything that he said that he was. And up up to that time, I had just been a hypocrite, an ignorant one, because I'd never read these things, but I had been, uh, in a sense, a hypocrite, because inside of me, there was just such conviction that what I was reading was right, and I had gotten it wrong all along, in spite of myself. And so I did that, and I embraced... Jesus, just all of me, and it was awesome, and all the lights started going on inside of me, and I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who uh, love Him, then it says, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, and well, that was me, from one day to the next, my eyes, my ears, my mind, It was all, my heart was all opened up. And all of a sudden, I was living in a very different world. You know, I loved going to church, the word, fellowship. It was no longer just a religious exercise. I I was really into doing it. And I experienced a time of refreshing that comes just from repentance, from uh, getting rid of all the gunk that I had been putting into my life. And, And things were exciting and they're new and they're fresh and there was such exhilaration, just uh, joy, wonder, wonder bread as I fed on the bread, the bread of life. And so now, 20 years 
later something I'm constantly amazed at, something that I think a lot about, a really, really, really lot about, is how is it that, that the exhilaration, the joy, the wonder, how, the freshness, how is that supposed to sustain itself? How does it keep going? How does the bread keep its wonder? I mean, you know, everything else in life, (laughs) people get tired of. You know, I had the benefit. I I grew up here when I was a kid, but I moved away when I was nine, and my parents moved all around the place. I lived overseas, and and I'm a person. I I just, I'll be open with you. I get bored really easy. That's why I love the city. It's hard to get bored in the city. But even in the city, you can get bored. It can get old. How how am I supposed to stay in this walk and not get tired of it? Because that happens with everything else, you know. Uh, You start off, you're totally in something, whatever. But before long, it gets old, it gets boring, it loses its luster. It, uh, pretty soon, uh, uh, it's history. And, you know, you take practically anything in life. You know, you take uh, fashion. So I was a kid in the 70s. I had bell-bottom pants and polyester shirts like everyone else did. You know, you threw a match on a dance floor back then and you're liable to get blown up. That's just how it was. And, like, people were really into it. And it was such a craze after a while. But, you know, what happened? uh, Almost by the time I was a senior in high school, all of a sudden, people were like, hey, whatever. And they're back in their jeans that were, like, ripped apart. And you can see, like, your legs and stuff through them. And and people, and, you know, it's like right back to the early 70s, you know? And, And it was just gone like that. People got sick of it, along with the disco. Thank God for that. The, you know, but it, it, if it's not disco, it's, uh, you know, whatever, the Macarena, the rave, it's now salsa. I just read the other day that there's salsa tours. You can go all over the world on salsa tours, and people, it's like, are really, really into it right now. But over time, you know, people get, you know, too much of a good thing or whatever the expression is. They get sick of it in careers, hobby, travel, TV shows, even sports, you know. They have to divide up sports in three or four seasons. And that was totally my life for like five or six years is, is just, just diving into the whole sports scene. But, you know, there's basketball in the winter and baseball in the spring and summer and there's football in the fall. You do anything else with a little kid, they'll get sick of that. And, you know, tragically, the same thing happens in areas that have nothing to do with sort of entertainment or, or, or careers, that type of thing. Relationships, you know, in America, relationships apart from Christ, most Americans get really bored with their relationships after about 15 years. 
At best, they become marriages of convenience. At worst, they divorce. You know what happens? The exact same thing that happens with disco or polyester shirts. They're looking at it, their marriage, and they're like, huh, what's the purpose? What's the use? And they take off. What a tragedy. What about Jesus, our relationship with Jesus? What about Christianity? What about my devotion time in the morning with God? What about reading the Bible, prayer, fellowship with Christians? The exhilaration, the joy, the wonder. How's that going to sustain itself? How's that going to keep on keeping on? I mean, surely I'm going to get bored with it. Surely it's going to grow dull. Surely the cobwebs are going to grow up around uh, my heart of faith. It's going to grow dull, a burden, a blah, a drudgery. Like pulling a hundred-pound anchor around. Hey, what's that big heavy thing you're dragging around on your leg? It's really bumming you out. It's really slowing you down. Well, you know, that's, that's my religion. What prevents that from happening? How can I go into my devotion time for the 10,000th time in the morning and open my Bible and expect to get anything out of it? How can I stand up for worship at a worship service and sing and really be moved? I've been standing and singing for 20 years now as a Christian. When someone asks me, how do I uh, know what the will of God is for my life? Which, by the way, is the number one question people ask pastors. How am I supposed to get into it anymore? I've answered it so many times. How am I supposed to do marriage counseling? Which I done a lot of premarital counseling. How can I talk in a sermon about how a person is saved from hell, from damnation, into a life that's abundant and rich with Jesus? After so many years, how can I do that over and over again? How can I sit and listen to a sermon on John 3.16 for the 30th time and not stand up in my pew and shout out, I can't take it anymore, please! Do some other verse, not that one! Can't you choose like Exodus 34.26? Come on, John 3.16, I've heard it so many times! How do I pray for someone who wants physical healing? I mean, there's only so many ways you can pray for someone for healing. <laughs> you know, start praying backwards, they'll think you're really weird. <laughs> you can try that. How do I do communion and actually get something out of it? How can I possibly do these things without uh, getting uh, bored, hardened, tired, washed up, fed up, dried up? I think a lot about this stuff. Mostly because... It hasn't happened to me. And I just stand in awe of the Lord that life with Him is so different than everything else. And I just stand in awe of the Lord for being so faithful to His Word. What does His Word say? It says that while the, though the outward man perishes... 
and it gets sick and tired of everything around it, the inward man is being renewed day by day. So the Greek word for renewal, talked about this last week, anakeno. At its most basic, superficial, shallow level, what it means is recharged. You guys know what that is, right? Recharged in technology age. We really know what that is. You know, we use our cell phone all day, towards the end of the day, all of a sudden it dies, we're in a conversation, whatever. We plug it into the wall, we open up next morning, and man, it's like brand new. You put it, you know, in your ear, and you hear it as clear as anything. This word renewed in 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, again, at the most basic superficial level, it says the same kind of thing as a born-again believer, someone who the Holy Spirit has come into your life and occupied. The promises, the, the, the privilege of being a Christian, the Word of God, there's going to be re, uh, uh, a, a recharging, a renewing every day. How, again, the Holy Spirit in you. Again, chapter 1, verse 22, we uh, started this, let, uh, this study in 1 Corinthians of it. Uh, he has sealed us and has given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And then again in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 5, 5, it says that, this is the next chapter, for uh, he who now has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us his spirit as a guarantee. Back in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says we have this treasure in earthen vessels, this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So the Holy Spirit, the, he is the ultimate power pack. He is the ultimate fuel cell. He's the energizer battery. He recharges, he recharges you day by day. But you know something, the analogy there breaks down because, you know, cell phones, whatever, electrical systems, they wear out. The word here, anakeno, doesn't mean recharge. It doesn't even mean renew, which is what the English word says. It's something very much more than that. We talked about it last week. What the word really means, it's the opposite of perishing. He says here, though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is renewed. And that Greek word, anakeno, it's the opposite of perishing, uh, the opposite of withering, the, uh, the opposite of dissolving, decaying, corrupting. <clears throat> we don't really have a word for that. And the reason is, is because the Bible says, that, it says in Romans uh, chapter 8 that it defies everything else that's happening around us. Again, even the second law of thermodynamics. A scientist would tell you that everything is sort of in a degenerative uh, movement, entropy. But this word, is, 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 this word on a cano, it's, it's, it's something that's being new and growing more and more new. Think of a beautiful wild flower that over time is withering perishing, drying up. Now think of a budding flower. Think of it in slow motion, slowly becoming something more and more and more beautiful. Then you, that's the word renew. 
here. It's not renew. It's something more than renew. It's the anakeno, meaning in Christ, even if the beauty of your outward man or woman is perishing or decaying, the beauty of your inner man or woman is growing. It's becoming something more and more beautiful. Something more fresh. So what I really want to do this morning more than anything else is encourage you. I have such a burden for people who are three or four, and this may or may not describe you, three or four years in your relationship with the Lord, and all of a sudden things start drying up. I want to encourage you. You know my devotion time with Jesus today. It's better than it ever has been. My prayer life is better today. I pray more today in a deeper way today than I ever have. My worship time is as good as it's ever been. I'm as passionate about my calling as I've ever been. Now listen, here's here's what's so important to understand. It's not because I was born with some special spiritual gene or with a halo coming out of my head. You know, what's up with this little infant? You know, what's that, you know, white round thing over his head? You know, is that a halo? No, it's the placenta. I was a sinner like anyone else, you know? Uh, and, and, And it's not because of that. That I have some spiritual gene or something. It is because of one thing. God is faithful to his word. And what does his word say? It says that though the outer man is perishing... The inner man is being made new, is growing in beauty day by day. I want to encourage you in in that. I'm not particularly comfortable speaking about, you know, myself because I am no different than any of you. But I want to say this to encourage you. I, I am in my, in my devotion time. I'm going through this absolutely fabulous little devotion book. And I think I've talked about it before. It's about 300 years old, and it looks 300 years old. It looks like the pages are about to disintegrate. I'm going to have to, I, I'm going to have to uh, laminate the pages. But we took it to, Stephanie took it to a bookstore, and the guy's like, wow, this thing is old. Because it's old English writing, the S's are like F's, and the C's and T's are connected, all kinds of weird stuff. But after a while, you get used to how to to read it. and It's so old, I can't even tell who the author is. I found it at my grandmother's house after she died. So don't know who the author is, don't know what the title is. I just know one thing. This man or this woman knew the Lord. And I'm I'm just loving it. And anyway, this week, this past uh, Tuesday, as, as most devotion books, it has a verse with a little commentary on it. And, and the, the verse on Tuesday, Matthew 6.13, deliver us from evil. And that's it. Deliver us from evil. Anyone recognize that? Lord's Prayer? You know the prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Then towards the end of the prayer, thy uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
How many times have I prayed that growing up? How many times have I heard that? How many times have I heard a sermon or a message about that subject? Thousands. I, I, I don't know. But, but as I read that verse this week, my inward man, that is which, my inward man that's being renewed by the Holy Spirit, it just attached itself. I, I don't know how, what better way to, to describe it. To that verse, deliver us from evil. And, and, and I was like, Lord, you do. You do that. And he does that. He really, really does. And I was just so blessed just sitting there thinking about how God delivers me from evil. And, and how many times he's done that. How many tens of thousands of times, many of which I do not even know, some of which I, I, I did. I was completely, totally conscious of times that I was dead set on doing evil. Dead set. And he delivered me from what I was throwing myself headlong into. And I'm just, you know, I, I think about 1 Samuel 27 in the Old Testament when King David got sick and tired of running away from King Saul. Saul was trying to king, kill him. So for 10 years, he chased after David, trying to kill him because uh, he in his heart knew that David was going to be the king of Israel and the line of the Messiah, the, the beginning of the line of the Messiah. And he had the anointing of God in his life. And he just tried to, to, to kill him over and over. And David stayed faithful to the Lord for a long while. And a lot of the Psalms were written in that period of his life. But after about eight, eight, year, eight years, uh, fear and unbelief just overtook him. And he says, surely I'm going to be killed by Saul, 1 Samuel 27. He went to live in the Philistines, within the land of the Philistines. In the middle of just awful idolatry with a people who absolutely hated the children of God. He was in far, far, far outside of where God wanted him to be. And things got so bad, there was so bad in his life that he actually lined up with the Philistine army to attack Israel. He was dead set, bent on doing evil. And then all of a sudden, some Phil- one of the Philistine kings looked around and says, Whoa, who's that dude? Uh, what's that guy doing? With us lining up against Israel, we're going to go into battle. He's going to start stabbing us in the back. And so when, they, when, when one of the kings that was friendly to David said, hey, I'm sorry, the other guys don't want you, he started to complain. Really, he did. Come on, I've always been faithful to you. You know, let me fight. But, but they made him go home. God delivered him from evil. Let me tell you, I don't care how good you think you may be your past life, the Lord has delivered you from evil, even when you were dead set on going headlong into it. So I was just, I didn't go through all of that this week <laughs> on Tuesday morning, but I was just, I, my, the, my inner man just attached itself to this verse, and I was thinking, I was just praising the Lord. Wow, he, he, he has done that uh, for me. Brothers and sisters, that is what the Lord can and will do in your life. Your inner man, your inner woman will attach itself to a verse that you've heard a million times and make it seem like it's the first time you've ever read it. Your outward man, perishing. Your inward man, renewed, made more beautiful day by day. And so now, 
I can share the gospel message. I can share it in every sermon. And be excited about doing it. You're saved by grace through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God. I can do marriage counseling and share with a husband and wife. And I can tell them, listen, you want a good marriage? This thing's not going to get fixed if you think it's a 50-50 relationship. It's a 100%, 100% relationship. And the most important thing in your marriage is the, the husband, the spiritual leaders, alone time with God. The second thing, most important thing is the wife's alone time with God. And husband, yes, the Bible says that a, a, a wife needs to be submitted to her husband. But submission doesn't mean that you choose the color of the carpet and you choose what vacation. No, if you love her like Christ loves the church, she chooses it. Not you. (laughs) You know. I have shared that a hundred times. It doesn't get old. Each time I want to smack the guy, you know, as hard as I did the last time. (laughs) And, 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 you know, and I share share it with, with passion. In my marriage. I can be married to a woman of God, and I am. And chase her around the house just like I did 20 years ago. And that's what I do even to this day. Yes, the inner man, the outer man is perishing. The inner man is growing day by day. And I love it. And it can be like that. That's what it can be like. That's what it's, that's what, you know, that's just the truth of God's word. When someone comes up, into this room, which they often do, and their child is on a heart machine, my heart can break for them. It's so easy to be dehumanized for all you people in the medical profession out there. Let God renew your heart day by day, lest it happen to you. When someone needs prayer for healing, I can pray. I can have communion and and really be into it. I can turn uh, the radio and hear the pastor say, the message today is on John 3.16. I can say, all right, I'm ready. Christian burnout. You know, I hear this expression called pastor burnout. I don't believe in that. The Holy Spirit doesn't burn out. If a pastor says, well, I've just been burned out, that means he's in sin. Maybe not some flagrant sexual immorality thing, but what it does mean, uh, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is, is burns with an unquenchable fl- flame. He's, he has for all eternity, always will be. When Christians or pastors tell me they're burned out, it means what? It means religion has replaced relationship with Jesus in their lives. It's always what it means. Because Jesus doesn't burn out. Neither does the Holy Spirit. It means that somewhere along the way, they veered away from relationship, and they got into religion, their church, their Bible study, lighting candles, whatever, hymns, prayer, fellowship, communion, became a ritual. Became a religious exercise. Or maybe that's all it ever was.
so. In my 20 years walking with the Lord, I, I, when, I, when I began during, you know, and believe me, <laughs> there are, have been times when things start getting bored, things start getting dull, things I start feeling discontent, dried up, fed up, washed up, whatever, want to give up. God was not the problem. I was the problem. Because you know why? The word of God says this, the outward man perishes, the inward man is renewed day by day. Whenever you're feeling like that, it's like, Lord, okay, what's wrong in my heart? And he's faithful to his word. Of course, all of this begs the question, why does any of that, that happen then? If the inward man is being renewed day by day, Steve, if what you're saying is true, why does my heart grow cold? Why am I feeling discontent this morning? Why is the world all of a sudden getting, seeming more and more attractive to me? If that is the place in your, that you're in this morning, I want to ask you a few questions. And I'm not asking this to throw you into condemnation. I'm asking this because I've had to, I've had the Lord or a brother, sister in Christ ask me the same thing. Are you nestled up in a comfort zone that God has has blessed you with but is calling you out of? Has God been calling you out of the comfortable place you're in, but you've refused to go? Has he been calling you to live for him in such a way that and you've refused? Has he called you to speak about him? Has he called you to open up your pocketbooks and give to him? Has he called you to be a person who you're scared to be? In a nutshell, here's what's important. If you're taking notes, this is it. Have you insisted in staying in the place in your life where you don't need the Word of God. You don't need prayer. You don't need church. You don't need worship. You're in such a comfortable place, you don't even need to be renewed day by day. Let me tell you, if you're in that place, yes, your heart will grow dull. It'll grow hard. Discontentment will seep in. Cobwebs will start growing over your heart. If you're independent inside your comfort zone, there is n- no need to be dependent on God, to worship Him, to be a worshiper. If that describes you, that is why your heart has grown cold, dull, discontent. I love what I shared a few minutes ago about 1 Samuel 27. David was being chased by Saul for 10 years because Saul was trying, and Saul was trying to kill him. Why was that happening? Because it's because supremely it was for one reason. It was because that was what God was using to prepare David to be the king. That's what God was doing in David's life. That's what that he didn't want David in a comfort zone. He didn't want him in a comfortable palace. He wanted to train him to be the model of every worshiper of God who has come since to be a model for, for, for you and me. 
And this amazing thing happens, and I encourage you, go study 1 Samuel 27 and, and then the chapters after that. What happened? David leaves his com- comfort zone. The Philistine king gave him his own city. And all of a sudden, no talk about God, no dreams of being great for the Lord. Uh, all of uh, the things that had been so prominent in David's heart, he apparently just swept aside. He, was, he didn't need the Word of God anymore. He didn't need prayer. He didn't need to be dependent. No wonder, you know, uh, things grew cold. It'll happen every time. Of course, there was a great ending to all that. David came back one day with his army. His entire, entire little city that they gave him was burned. His wives, all their wives, their family stolen, their, their possessions stolen, city burnt to the ground. And his own men wanted to stone him. And it's just one of the most glorious verses. It says, and then David turned to the Lord. Hadn't seen that for a while in David's life. Guess what happened? He recovered everything that he lost. And God established him as king within a few days. Is that mercy or what? Anyway... I don't want to get too carried away. That's a different sermon. My, the point is, is that if you're in that place in your, in your life where things are growing cold, go back to those same verses in John, 6, uh, John, in John that I read earlier. John 6, 54. Whoever eats of my flesh, uh, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you cannot be my disciple. John 12, 24, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. John 12, 25, he who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And ask, ask yourself, am, is that where I am right now? Is that where I am? And, could, and if the answer is no, well, might that be the reason that my love has grown cold? And that my relationship is falling apart. My relationships in my life are falling apart. And, and that uh, there seems to be so little fruit and joy in my life. It's never God's problem. It's always ours. God is faithful to his word always. Even as the outward man perishes, he'll do his job if we're walking with him, if we're in that place that he wants us to be, he will renew us day by day. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this word. It's so, Lord, for me, it's just a word that is uh, filled with encouragement. It's just filled with hope. It's filled with uh, a, a promise, Lord, a promise we can not only hang our hat on, we can just stand on it. We thank you, Lord, that unlike everything around us, even as the world is freaking out because the outer man is perishing, they're getting, I don't know, they're getting bored or they're getting wrinkles or they're getting pains in their back or whatever, Lord, and, and they're freaking out because the outer man is, is perishing. It's, life is growing cold. The inner man, the inner woman is growing day by day. 
Father, I pray for myself. I pray for every man and woman in here. Open up our hearts, Lord, that we can just receive the truth from you, that still small voice which tells us, am I in the comfort zone? Am I nestled up in a comfortable place, refusing, being disobedient to your calling? For, for every man and woman in here, Lord, I just pray that you'd open up their heart and ears, Lord, that they would hear that, that they would be able to experience the blessed life, even if that means, like David, being in flight for eight or nine years and out in the open air with fear and anxiety, Lord. If it means, Lord, that we're seeking after you and writing songs in our heart, Lord, that's where we want to be. And, Father, we want to get to that place where, as David, you are establishing us in that place of fruitfulness, Lord, which you've called us to be, Lord. We, I pray that for everyone in here, also for the person who does not know you, who's, who has never embraced you, all of, you, all of them with all of you, Lord. I just pray, Father God, that you'd settle that matter in their hearts this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, please rise. We're going to close with a worship song. Father's love. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son.